What's up, everybody? My name is Shane Kohler, and this is The Conscious Love Show. Thanks so much for joining me here, where each week I'm sharing true-to-life insights and experiences from my journey and how I've created the loving and committed partnership I have today. I answer your questions and have live discussions with you so I can support you in your specific situation. And I bring in experts and people who know their stuff so we can all learn from their perspectives. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you'd leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love. Okay, so welcome everyone. Welcome back to the Conscious Love Show. Shane here, as always, um, honor and a, a pleasure to be here with you today. I always look forward to this. You know, it's one of the highlights of my week is getting on here, uh, being live with my people on Instagram, and uh, sending the message out to all of you in the universe who are going to receive this message in your car ride or your commute or your plane trip or <laughs> wherever you're hearing it. Um, hello to you and, and welcome, and thank you for joining in with me today. Um, there's a topic I want to speak into in today's episode, and I was just uh, chatting with people on Instagram about it before we got started here, but um, there's an idea that uh, I first really heard presented by Ram Dass, and for those of you who are regulars on the podcast, I'm sure you've heard me mention Ram Dass a few times. Um, you know, one of the definitely one of the greatest teachers that I've ever found in my life, and his teachings have really shaped my understanding of myself and my spirituality and God and life. And uh, you know, he's been a been a huge influence for me. And there's there's a topic he talks about, and the way the way he puts it is he calls it keeping your heart open in hell. And um, he's really the only person that I've ever heard speak into this topic. Um, so I'm gonna give it a shot myself, I guess. But um, you know, it's it's not something that is often spoken about, and yet I think in terms of spiritual development, in terms of becoming uh, an amazing human in the world, and in terms of creating love, right? And whether you're right now trying to love yourself more and develop more self-respect, more boundaries, more standards, uh, more self-care, more, you know, really putting an interest on how you feel in the life that you're living and and the experiences you want to have in life, right? So maybe you're focused on self-love or maybe you're focused on um, love with or from others, right? Maybe you're looking for that special relationship. You're looking for that special someone to come into your life and, you know, build and dream and, and create that life with you. But whether whether you're looking to experience more love from yourself or more love from another person or maybe a combination of, of both, uh, it's an essential conversation that we have about living with an open heart and keeping your heart open. And I specifically wanted to speak into this topic today because I've been feeling, and you know, my, my wife will tell you, <laughs> I've been a little bit mad at the world lately, um, but you know, I've been feeling that this is just, it's been a heavy time, right? It's been heavy couple of months, even a heavy couple of years. Like you might feel similar to me as I feel like we just haven't stopped getting hit since COVID. You know, it was like, it was like we lived in a different world before COVID and COVID came and um, with COVID, I think awareness of a lot of social issues came, right? We had Black Lives Matters and we had, um, I mean, well, that was that was a big one during COVID. And, um, you know, COVID brought into awareness certain environmental issues and 
um, since COVID, we've had multiple wars erupt and it, it's just, it's been, it's been a tense time in our world. You know, it's been, it's been a heavy time to be alive and it feels like it's just been one thing after another, after another, after another, and, and we just keep getting hit with stuff. And, you know, if, if you think back to how things were before COVID, it's not that it's not that these things weren't happening, right? It's not that war is new or, or any of this stuff is new. You know, the environment was being destroyed well before COVID. But I think what's what's happened since COVID is our relationship to it has changed. And maybe it's because, you know, we realized how connected we all are where a disease could begin over in China and, you know, within a matter of months, it could consume the entire world and realize like we're really not that separate. You know, I think we we used to live in this kind of mentality where if something was happening on the other side of the world, it didn't really have anything to do with me. And now we're, I think, starting to realize that we're really all in this together. And, um, you know, specifically in the last few weeks, we've had what's happening in, uh, in the Gaza, which is just devastating. And, um, you know, people have asked like, Shane, what are your thoughts on it? Or, or why aren't you speaking about it? And I've, I've shared this just a couple of times, but you know, I'm not, I'm not an expert on these topics and, and I don't think, uh, I don't think it's really my place to speak, but what I, what I would say I, I am an expert in is love. And I, I think, I think it's it's very obvious that everything that's happening over there is is not loving, and and I, I might be being Captain Super Obvious right now, right? But um, the truth is is that we live in a world where um, love is not the primary concern, and love is not the most important thing. And you know, uh, profits are important, control, power, domination; these are important, and these are the things that are put in the way of love. And really, if, if I were to share my thoughts on it, is that um, like these are my thoughts. And, and you know, I, first of all, I think what's happening is just awful. I, I think what's happening over there is just devastating and heartbreaking and horrible. And it's just it's just so sad to wake up every day and, and live with the awareness that that kind of suffering is happening for so many people. Um, that's my first thought on it. My next thought is that the war that we experience in the world, you know, the, the wars that we experience externally are, um, are reflections of the wars that we experience internally, right? And, and all, of the, all of the violence in the world and all of the, the pain and the suffering that people are causing to each other um, on the macro scale, when we talk about global levels of war and on the, on the micro scale, where we talk about the kinds of wars that are acted out in the dating world, or the kinds of wars that are acted out in our personal relationships and our marriages, right? And all of it is a reflection of the war that's going on within our own heart. And what I'm going to say is it's devastating what's happening over there right now. And just, just like it's devastating what's happening in the Ukraine, it's devastating what's happening in other parts of the world where there's starvation and hunger. And, and what I want to say is it's devastating, it's awful, but it's not new. It's not new. This is the way it has been for a long time, and it is going to be this way. It's going to continue to be this way, and you know this war will pass, and another one will start up, and it's going to continue to be this way until we as human beings, as a collective, start to make love the priority in the world, and everything else secondary. And as long as profits and control and domination and 
you know, me making sure I'm taken care of, but not caring if you're taken care of. As long as those are the themes that dominate our world, war and hunger and poverty and, and all of it is going to be present in our world. And so I've been thinking a lot like, you know, what can I do? And, and I always think about this, like I'm not a victim. I, I understand what's not going on in the world. And I also think about what can I do because I am not a victim and I do have power. And um, what I've come to, and, and I, I think I would invite a lot of us to come to this conclusion, is that the, the only thing I can really do about things like what's happening in Gaza or, uh, I mean, any the equivalent of that, right? Anywhere it might be happening in the world. The only thing I can really do about it is make a point to heal the war within my own heart. And the more I can heal the war that's happening within my own heart, the more I will be in a position to share a stronger vibration of love in the world. And the more I share that stronger vibration of love in the world, the more I'm going to impact other people to awaken the love that's inside of them, right? Which is why I'm here today. It's why I'm having this conversation with you. Because the more I share my vibration of love and the more I put that out in the world, the more that's going to touch other people and awaken the same within them. And if I can awaken that in someone else and they can awaken that in themselves and then awaken it in someone else and that person can awaken it in someone else and on and on and on and on and on. And if we all recognize our, our personal responsibility that we have in that, we each, we each recognize like we each have a place in this world. We each have the opportunity to make a positive difference in this world. Like when you get up out of your bed in the morning and you go out into the world and you go to work or you go to your school or, or you go to, you know, be with your kids or whatever you do in, in your day, you know, when you get up and you go out into the world, you have a choice if you're going to teach love or if you're going to teach fear, if you're going to teach peace or if you're going to teach conflict and everyone around you, everyone that you interact with is learning from the lessons that you teach, whether you're consciously aware of it or not. And the more we each take that personal responsibility to teach only love for that is what we are, right? So the more we each take that personal responsibility to teach only love in the world, because that is what we are, the more we will see our world transform and we'll be able to stop the wars, stop the hunger, stop the famine, stop the poverty. We'll be able to heal the environment and, and you know, stop the extinction of the human race. Like th th this is really what's at stake right now. Like hundred years from now, humanity isn't gonna survive if, if we don't turn it around. And I, I, I say all of this to say that, you know, we do have power in that. And we might not have the power as one individual to go and stop the war. Right, But we do have the power to choose to show up every day in a way that will create a spillover effect, that will create a transformation that could lead to the end of war in the biggest sense. And the question becomes, it's the same question I said earlier, where as long as we place power and profit and control and domination, as long as we place all of these things above love, and make these things more important than love, then war and famine and poverty and hunger and, and starvation and sadness and grief, like that's going to be what the world is. And that happens on a macro scale, like I've been talking about, but it also happens on a macro or, or micro scale, right? And so 
what are the things, and this is the question I would pose to everyone in today's episode, what are the things in your life that you are making more important than love? And this is a subtle question because there are, there are a lot of things actually. And it's really easy to get up and say, well, I teach only love or I, I, I love everyone. Or, you know, it's really easy to say that, but then you look at how you operate and you look at in each moment of your day, were you operating from love or was something else present there? And where were you operating from righteousness? Where were you, oper- where were you operating from fear? Where were you operating from a need to be in control or manipulate that situation to get a certain outcome? Where were you trying to get someone else to have something that is not necessarily in their best interest because you thought them getting that would lead to you getting something that's in your best interest? We do that a lot. We don't always like to admit or own that, but we do that a lot. And it's important to start to face up to these things because... You know, we've been taught, we grew up in a world that was, we were taught, I win, you lose, right? We were taught that if there's $5 on the table and I pick it up, I have $5 and now everyone else in the room is out $5, right? And we were taught that's how life works, right? That I need to take what I can get for myself and screw everybody else, hope they can figure it out, but not my problem. And that's not the way love works, and to the, to the degree that you operate on that principle, right, the I win, you lose principle, to the degree that you operate on that principle is the degree that you will suffocate all the love out of your life. And this happens when we get into a relationship with someone where, you know, everything's great in the beginning, but then the fear starts to creep in, right? Now, I know I've spoken about this before. If you can think about a recent relationship that you've been in and you think about that moment that the fear started to creep in, right? That moment, like everything was great. Everything was wonderful. It was flowing. It felt good. We were into each other. We were reciprocating the effort. We were excited. It was all going well. And then you think about that moment, that first moment of fear in a new relationship. And I want you to just, each of you who are listening right now, I want you to just take a moment and see if you can remember in a recent relationship, maybe you're currently with someone or maybe you're just getting out of a relationship or maybe you dated someone recently, but whatever it is, I want you to think about that first moment of fear in a new relationship. And I mean, I remember these experiences very well where all of a sudden everything would be going great and then maybe they don't respond to that text. Or maybe they say, I'm going out with a friend tonight. And you're like, who's this friend? Or, or maybe their, you know, their ex calls them and, and, they, and they're like, yeah, I talked to my ex today or, or whatever, right? It could be any of these things. But, but something activates that first moment of fear in you. And all of a sudden it's like, <gasps> it's like the wind has been taken out of your sails. It's like the breath has been taken out of your lungs. And there's this sinking feeling. And there's this feeling of, am I going to lose this? Is this not what I thought it was? Are they losing interest in me? Am I not going to get what I want here? And there's this moment of like, yeah, like sinking, like fear. And then what usually comes out of this is a need to exert some kind of control over the relationship, a need to manipulate something. So now I'm no longer showing up completely authentically. 
you know, I might be showing up 90% authentically. I might be 90% myself, but there's just this little 10%. There's just this little part of me that feels like I can't totally be myself here because I need to control just a little bit of it. I just need to make sure that I'm going to get what I want here. I just need to make sure that I'm going to be taken care of. I just need to make sure that I'm not going to be left alone, that I'm not going to be abandoned, that I'm not going to be hurt. And to the degree that fear is present is the degree that our authenticity is diminished. So when we talk about keeping our heart open and topic for today is how to keep your heart open in hell, right? Now, what is hell, right? Let's talk about that for a moment. How to keep your heart open in hell. Well, what is even hell? Well, this world can be hell. This world can be hell. And a lot of you, even as I say that, if you think about your personal experience and, and maybe you're in hell right now, or maybe you're not, but maybe you've been in hell and you know what that feels like. I think all of us at some point in our life have been in hell. And it's because, and I don't want to, I don't want to harp on like the, the negatives of the world. I think there is so much good in this world. There's so much beauty and love and, and magic that can be experienced in this world. But when we're viewing life through survival or when we're viewing life through the fear that we're not going to get our needs met or we're viewing life through our wounds or our fear of abandonment, right? When we're viewing life through that lens, we create a hell around us and life feels very scary. We feel very alone. We feel very empty. We feel very deprived. We feel very unworthy. We feel very unwanted, unlovable. And this is, this is an experience that we create in our mind when we view the world through fear or, or not through love. And this creates hell. And the truth is, and I mean, I don't want to reiterate topics that I've spoken about many, many times in the podcast, but the truth is that as a child, we did not have the awareness to choose another perspective. And so as a child, like, I remember, I remember the night when 9-11 happened. And I remember, like, literally, I was maybe 10, 11 years old when 9-11 happened, something like that. And I was, I was laying in my bed, and I just had this, like, this overwhelming fear that, like, terrorists were going to come through my window and, like, kill me in my sleep. And obviously irrational. I mean, the chances of that actually happening were very, very unlikely, right? But the, the reason I'm bringing this up right now is because we often think about it in terms of our personal lives. We think about how that person rejected us or how, you know, this person I like, are they going to like me back? Is this relationship going to become what I want it to be? We, we often think of it in terms of our personal life. And, you know, our, our personal life has a big impact right? The, the experiences of growing up with our parents, the experiences of, you know, dating when we're younger and as we get older and, and being on dating apps and getting ghosted, right? Like this has an impact. It has a huge impact. But what also has an impact that we don't talk about so much is all of the less obvious stuff, right? The fact that there are thousands and thousands of people starving to death in Gaza right now. 
or the fact that, you know, people in the Ukraine are, are having their homes and their lives invaded and they're being forced out of their homes and, and, and I mean, and, or the fact that there are people in, you know, certain countries in Africa or in the Middle East or in India that like literally children are begging for food on the streets and starving to death. And all of this has an impact on our mental health. All of this has an impact on how we feel about ourselves, how we feel about life, our ability to be authentic and free-spirited and, and happy. And what happens to all of us, I would say, it happens to every single person. And maybe it happens in varying degrees. It happens more to some people and less to others. But this happens to all of us is we're born into what seems like a very terrifying world, what seems like a very hard and, and cold and heartless world. And that hurts, especially, I mean, you know, we don't really have recollection of where we come from before we come into this life, but I, I truly believe we come from a very beautiful place. You know, I, I mean, I don't, what people think is heaven might not be exactly what I have in mind, but I think we come from a, a space of love a space of safety, a space of wholeness and authenticity and where we are seen and, and appreciated for who we are. Like, I think that's where we come from. And, you know, we come into this world and we forget who we are. We forget where we come from. We forget what we're made of. And we become something else in this world. And when, you know, we, these, these beings who, when you're honest with yourself, and I think if you're listening to this conversation, you're probably willing to be honest with yourself, right? Like we are beings that are deeply, deeply sensitive. We are beings that have deep, vulnerable hearts. And we, we care very, very much about everyone and everything. And we love so like deeply and so completely and like love when we allow it to will consume us and make us do completely irrational things. And, you know, we are not these, we are not these solid physical beings that we appear to be, but we are actually vibrational energetic beings. And the, the, the things that we feel are so intense and they can be overwhelming. They can be just like so powerful. And when we as these deeply sensitive, these deeply vulnerable beings, these beings that love so fully and so completely, and these, these beings that like have just these huge hearts and, and we care so much and we, and like when we see suffering, it hurts us so badly. And when we being these incredible, sensitive, authentic beings, we come into this world and we, we see what's happening in this world. And we feel like it's not even that we see it or we logically think about it, like especially not when we're children, but we just, we feel it, right? We feel it in our souls and it hurts so much. And especially if we were, abused as children, especially if, you know, the, especially if the people that we look to, to like take care of us and provide for us and, and we trusted them to love us. And, and especially if those people were dangerous, right? Like the people that we were supposed to trust were not trustworthy. 
there's something that happens that it, it closes down our heart. It, it shuts down our heart. It shuts down. And, and when I say it shuts down our heart, I'm actually, I'm not talking about your physical heart, although it's, it's very much connected to your physical heart, but I'm talking about an energetic center in your body. Um, if you're if you're familiar with the chakra system, uh, imagine many of you are, right? The, the heart is the fourth chakra, the fourth major energy center in the body. And it is the center of uh, love and compassion and understanding and empathy and being able to connect to other people's experiences, being able to give and share. And, and it's, it's where we love. It's where we receive love. It's where we connect with other people. It's where we recognize the equality among all of us. You know, all of that is, is, is in the heart. Like that's where it all happens. And every single person on the planet has the same heart. Every single person on the planet has this deeply, deeply sensitive, loving, caring heart. And because the world can be so painful, when we're young, we are almost forced to close our hearts. And like I said, this happens to everyone. It might happen in varying degrees. Right? Like there are some people whose hearts are so closed and some people whose hearts are not as closed. But this happens to all of us. We, we close down our hearts because we just can't handle feeling uh, the, the pain of this world and the suffering of this world. And then healing. When we talk about healing and, and you know, if you're listening to this podcast right now, whether you're with me live or whether you're, you know, tuning in um, on, the, on one of the episodes... Um, if you're listening to this podcast right now, then it's safe to say that you are probably on some kind of healing journey, right? That you have recognized that there are certain patterns that you have that are not working for you, that no matter how hard you try, you are not attracting the level of relationship that you really want to have. Um, no matter how hard you try, it's like you hit a dead end or you consistently attract non-committal people or... Or maybe just like, maybe you attract fine people, but you just can't love them, right? Or maybe you have commitment issues where every time you get close to someone, you run, right? But whatever the issue is, and I'm just giving a few examples here, and your issue may be that, it may be something different. But if you're on a healing journey, it's because you've recognized that there are certain aspects about you that are not fully integrated, that, that are not working in the way you would like them to, that you're not feeling the way you want to feel, that you're not being the way you want to be, that you're not showing up to life the way you want to show up. And if any of that is true for you, if there's any area of your life where you feel that you can't really be yourself, or you feel that you can't really get the results you want, what I want to suggest to you is it's because your heart is closed. Any area of your life where you are not experiencing the magnitude of love that you would like to experience coming from inside of yourself or coming from outside of yourself. But if you are not able to experience the magnitude of love that you would like to experience, it's because your heart is closed. It's because you're not open to it. And... The topic for today, when we talk about how to keep your heart open in hell, we're talking about like the 1% the path right now. We're talking about the path that almost nobody chooses because it hurts, because it's painful, 
to, to wake up every morning and look at everything that's happening in the world and you look at your own life and you look at, you know, oh, maybe you go to bed at night and you're just laying in bed and you're so lonely and you just wish that somebody was there to hold you and you just, you just wish like, why, you know, when am I going to find my person and why haven't I found them and what's wrong with me and why don't any of my relationships work out and, and you're, you're laying in bed and, and you might just feel so lonely and so alone and so desperate. And then in that moment, you might even recognize that while you're laying in your bed, um, feeling victimy and lonely and desperate and all of that, you realize that probably within a couple miles of your house where you're comfortably laying in a temperature controlled home and in a comfortable bed and you've got a television and food in the fridge and all of that, you know, there's someone probably within a couple miles of your house that it will never be loved again, right? Nobody is ever going to love that person ever again. And they're wrapping themselves up in a cardboard box to fend off the cold. And all they want in the world is a warm meal right now. And why am I bringing this up? Because to really, to really be present to all of that, to be present to your own pain, your own loneliness, the things that you feel are missing in your life, and then to be present to the fact that there's someone who's going to go to bed on the streets in the cold and hungry tonight. And then to be present to the fact that somewhere else in the world, there are people that are being starved to death or driven from their homes. And to really be present to all of this requires you to be an exceptional human being. It requires you to step into something that most human beings are unwilling to step into. And so what do people do? We close our hearts. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to feel all of that. I don't want to deal with that. I'm just going to focus on me, my life, getting what I want, and not be present to any of that. And what happens when you do that, you see, you think that you're protecting yourself when you do that. And I get it. And I'm not judging anybody here. Like, please understand, I'm not judging anybody. I'm just talking about the human condition right now. There's no judgment here at all. I, I'm, I'm right there with you, right? But this is the human condition. And when you choose to close your heart because it's just too painful, you just can't think about it. You just can't deal with it. You've just got to focus on yourself and your life and, and making sure that you're taken care of and you can't think about anyone or anything else. Like you can't deal with those bigger concerns. You become a fraction of who you are the moment you choose that. You become a fraction of your authentic self. You become a fragmented piece of the person that you could be the moment you choose to only think about yourself and not deal with the suffering of the world. And what I'm really talking about here is when, when, you, when you're willing to deal with the suffering of the world, what you're really dealing with is a profound level of empathy. What you're really dealing with is love and compassion in the truest sense of the word. And you might, you might ask, as I'm, as I'm breaking down this conversation, you might say, well, so what am I supposed to do, Shane? Just sit in my room all night crying over the suffering of the world? Well, maybe sometimes, maybe you do. But it doesn't end there. 
And so when you live with an open heart, there's something else that emerges. And, you know, the first thing is like, if, if you think about when we're young or when we're teenagers or, or you know, when we're, when we're developing, when we're growing up, right? And, and we experience the pain of the world and we, we see what happens on the news and we, we go to school and we see people getting bullied at school and we're, we're trying to maybe date or get that boyfriend or that girlfriend, but we're getting rejected and maybe we're being humiliated by our classmates, all this stuff, and it's scary and it hurts. And so we shut ourselves down and we become less of ourselves to protect ourselves from these painful experiences in life. And then what happens as we start to heal, as we start to mature, as we start to recognize, okay, I need to be myself in the world. There's something inside of me. It's beyond words. It's beyond, it's beyond logic, but there's something inside of me that needs to be expressed, that I can't hide it. I can't hold it back. I can't avoid it. I can't resist it. There's something, there's a truth inside of me that needs to be expressed in the world. My voice needs to be heard. I need to be seen. I need to let myself out in the world. And this is when we start a healing journey, this is ultimately what we're tapping into, right? We're tapping into opening ourselves up, opening our hearts, all of the parts of ourselves that we've shut down throughout our lives. Now we're opening it up. We're letting it out. We're expressing it. And the first thing you're going to experience is all the stuff that you've been hiding from, right? It's like, I've had a lot of clients come to me and they're like, you know, Shane, I'm dating with an open heart for the first time in my whole life and it feels so great and it feels so good and I'm being authentic and I'm being myself and, and people are even responding to me differently, but I'm still getting the same results I was getting before, right? Like I'm still not getting into a relationship. Like what's happening? And I go, well, you've been hiding from that your whole life. Right, your whole life you've had your heart closed and you've been out there dating and you've been meeting people, but you, while you were doing it, while you were out there dating and meeting people and getting connected and engaging in relationship, you were doing it with a closed heart. You weren't really letting the experiences in. You weren't really feeling it. You were, you were like, it, it was like you were behind a screen, like the Wizard of Oz, right? Like don't look at the man behind the curtain, right? It's like you were behind a screen participating with it, but keeping yourself at a safe distance from it where it didn't really touch you. And now, now you've opened yourself up. You've opened your heart. You're getting fully engaged. You're participating fully. And now these experiences are starting to touch you. And people say, well, Shane, I'm doing it differently now. Like, why isn't it happening for me? Well, the reason it's not happening for you yet is because you need to learn how to be with those difficult things that you've been avoiding throughout your life, right? Yeah, you've gotten rejected throughout your life, but you just kept it at a safe distance. So you never really felt the rejection. You justified it, you explained it, you ran it with your friends, you talked bad about the other person, and or you made excuses, oh, well, they just weren't into me because of this or that or the other thing. And your whole life, you kept rejection at a safe distance. So you never really had to feel it that much. And now, 
Now you're doing it differently. Now you're letting it in. Now you're not explaining it. You're not justifying it. You're not talking to your friends about it. You're not trying to twist it in a way where you feel better about it. You're not ruminating about it for hours. You're not, you know, going through these mental gymnastics, looking at it from this perspective and that perspective. Like all of that is avoidance. All of that is avoidance. All of that is keeping your heart closed, not letting the experience in, controlling the experience mentally to prevent yourself from feeling it. And some of you might say, well, it still hurts. I get it. It still hurts. I get it that you're still suffering the whole time. But you're not really letting the experience in. You're not really integrating the experience. And it's a whole different level when you say, I'm going to let this experience in. I'm not going to rationalize it. I'm not going to justify it. I'm not going to talk to my friends about it. I'm not going to, you know, try to control it mentally and look at it from all these different perspectives. I'm just going to accept that that person didn't want to be with me. Period. End of discussion. There's nothing else to say about it. There's nothing else to explain about it. There's nothing else to think about or ruminate or solve or figure out. It's very simple. That person didn't want to be with you. Very simple. And when you can really sit with that and integrate that experience and not need to control that experience mentally, it brings you to another level of yourself. Because what, what awakens inside of you in that moment when you're not needing to rationalize it or justify or ruminate about it or explain it away or control it mentally, when you just really let it in, that person doesn't want to be with me. That's all. It might hurt initially. But as you move through that pain and you move through that fear and you move through that shame and you move whatever, you move through whatever might be there, what you start to realize is that person doesn't want to be with me and it didn't kill me. That person doesn't want to be with me and I'm still alive. That person doesn't want to be with me and you know what? I even felt happy today. Imagine that. That person didn't want to be with me and I still even felt happy. And what starts to happen is your relationship with all of this changes. But it only changed your experience of it only changed because you were willing to open your heart and let that experience in and feel it fully. And then you become a way more badass version of yourself. Because now you're still you. You, you know, all the stuff that was there before, it's still there. But it's all that stuff that was there before with this added element of I don't need people to like me anymore. Wow, like how fucking revolutionary is that? I don't need people to like me anymore. I still have all those gifts, all those talents, all those funny things I do, all the unique things about me that make me special and make me attractive. That's all still there. But with the added element of I don't need people to like me anymore. I actually know how to open my heart and let the experience of somebody not wanting me in and come to terms with that and integrate it and feel okay about it. And 
you know, I, I want to I wanna say something here because when I say to feel okay about it, that might be just a little bit misleading. And this is, this is the crux of the whole conversation here is you might not feel 100% okay about it, right? Like how can I feel 100% okay about what's happening in Gaza right now? I just can't. It's just not possible. Right? There is, there is no version of myself in which I can think about what's happening there and feel okay about it. And so, and you might be in a similar position where it's like, that person rejected me and I can't, there is no way I can think about that person rejecting me and feel 100% okay about it. But here's what I can do. I can be okay with the fact that I don't feel okay about it. I can let that live there. See, I don't have to run from that. I don't have to escape it. I don't have to fix it. I don't have to solve it. Like what I'm really saying is I don't have to run from myself anymore. I don't have to run from my own internal experiences anymore. I can see that within myself. That person rejected me. That doesn't feel good. I can see that within myself, but my heart is big enough and spacious enough to hold that and other things as well. And so what we live in is we live in a world of suffering. And like, and I've said this so many times on the podcast, and I, I, I don't... <laughs> I'm cautious about saying this because I, I don't want the I don't want there to be an undertone of like depression or negativity here because the message is not that. The message is actually that yes, this is the world we live in and we have the power inside of us to rise above it. And there's there's this really magical amazing power that we have to stand in the middle of hell and create heaven. Right? There's this really amazing power that we have as human beings where we can watch the news and we can see, oh my God, all these horrible things are happening in the world. And where we can, you know, like I get on calls with clients and, and like I deal with, I mean, people who have been deeply like abused and traumatized by like their parents and their partners and, and people who are supposed to love them. Right. And like, like there's so much suffering in the world. And I can't do the work I do with a closed heart. I just can't. Like, I cannot get on calls with my clients with a closed heart. I just, I would not be able to serve them from that place. So what I have to do to, to be the person I am is I have to show up every day and get on calls with these people and hear about the most awful things that human beings have ever had to go through happening in the lives of these people. And... And I have, to, I have to be empathetic and compassionate about that, right? Like I have to connect to that experience. I can't keep myself over here behind this safe wall and be like, oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Like this is what therapists aren't doing this as much anymore, but this is what the therapy world was for a long time. Right. It's like a it's like a, a professional courtesy attitude where I, I keep myself behind this safe wall and I go, oh, yes, yes, yes. It's very sad that that happened to you. But that but that thing that happened to that person is not touching my heart. Right. Like I can't do that in my work. And so I have to find a way to live 
where I can deal with the intense suffering that's happening in the world, with the intense suffering that is happening in people's lives. And then somehow, when I end my workday and I go upstairs to be with my wife, be able to have my heart open to be loving and compassionate with her and warm and, and fun and, and juicy and like all, the, like all the stuff that we want to experience in our relationship, right? And so it's not, about, it's not about looking at the suffering of the world and going like, oh my God, it's so hard and I just become a puddle on the floor and I become completely disempowered by it. But it's also not about closing myself off to it and living behind this wall where I'm only focused on myself and I'm not worried about anyone else, right? Neither one of those things is loving. Neither one of those things is loving. So what does love look like in all of this, right? Love is that place where I stand in the middle, where my heart is open to all of it. My heart is open to the pain and the suffering and the, and the sadness that's happening in the world. And when I need to, I can connect with that and I can shed a tear about it. And I can do whatever is in my power to serve or support in whatever way I can. But then that experience moves through me because, because my heart is not closed, right? It's open, which means things can move through it rather than like hitting a wall where there's a resistance there. And so these experiences move through me and I move on to the next. And part of this, part of this journey of living with an open heart is that you don't feel amazing all the time, right? Like you're actually impacted by things. Like the happenings of the world actually have an effect on you. And you're not protecting yourself from that effect. You're open to that effect. And as you get used to living with the fullness of life, right? Like there is no aspect of life that I'm pushing away. There is no aspect of life that I'm avoiding. There is nothing happening in this life that I am unwilling to be with, that I am unwilling to accept, that I am unwilling to feel. And as you start to get more comfortable, I'm, I'm not saying it feels amazing all the time, but you start to get comfortable living with this. You start to allow it to be there. You, you lose the need to like avoid it or run from it or hide from it. What starts to happen is you start to see the perfection and the beauty in life in a way that you could never see it before. You see the heart, that, that energetic center of the heart is the center of empathy and compassion. It's also the center of joy. It's also the center of authenticity and like full expressiveness. It's the center of love. And love is all of that, right? Like we, we tend to think about love like, oh, love is, the, love is the warm and the juicy stuff. And when we snuggle up and we kiss and we cuddle and we make love and, and we adore each other. And like, we tend to think that that's what love is. And that is love. That is love. But let me tell you what else love is. Love is when my wife and I can barely stand to look at each other because we're so fucking pissed off about something that happened. And yet we sit on that couch next to each other all day and don't even talk. We just sit with each other 
because we're committed to getting to the other side of it. And so we sit and we wait until we're ready to talk about it. That's also love, right? So that's love and the warm and snuggle and juicy lovemaking and that's love and everything in between, it's all love. And to truly live from love is to live from a space where you are open to all of it. And that's scary. That's scary. Most people are not willing to be that vulnerable. Most people are not willing to open themselves up on that level. But I want you to hear this, and and I say this with love, that's why you don't have the relationships you want. Because you're not willing to open yourself on that level. You're not willing to be that vulnerable. You're not willing to expose yourself to that degree. You're not willing to make yourself that available. And so there's a limitation on how deep your relationships can become. Because you say, oh, it's all just too much. I just can't deal with all of it. And... Like, I don't want to beat a dead horse with this, but this is this is the journey in our life, right? Is, is to keep our heart open in hell, right? To look around at all the horrible things that are happening in the world and, oh my God, and and and, and to look at our own pain and like and how lonely we are and how deprived we feel and and to and to be able to hold all of that. And then somehow within the midst of all of the suffering and all of the pain and all of the loneliness and everything that's happening in the world and everything that's happening in my own life, somehow in the midst of all of that, I find this unsuspected inner resource, this, this inner, inner strength and this inner clarity. It's like, a, it's like a superpower that lived inside of me and I never knew it was there until I completely opened myself up. And then all of a sudden, I found something inside of myself that could stand in the midst of hell and bring light to it and bring love to it. And that, and so if you imagine, like just imagine yourself right now. I want to give you a visualization for this. And actually, if you're listening, go ahead and close your eyes. Like I want you to just close your eyes. If you're not driving, some of you might be driving, but if you're not driving, close your eyes. And I want you to just visualize this for a moment. I want you to imagine you standing by yourself, all alone, surrounded by darkness. And you can even imagine violence and war and chaos and and all the darkness and all the evil happening all around you. And you're just standing completely by yourself in the midst of all this darkness. And then I want you to imagine from like deep within your heart, just imagine a light starting to emerge from deep within your heart. And, And I want you to just visualize this right now. Eyes closed, visualizing You're standing in the middle of darkness and from deep within your heart, this light starts to emerge and it just starts to move out of your body and you start to light up the darkness. And then I want you to just imagine that light moving from inside your heart, moving like filling your whole body and expanding out through every pore of your being. And and then what it starts to do is it starts to create a circle of light around you. And now you're not standing in the middle of darkness. Now you're standing within a circle of light. And outside that circle of light, there is still darkness all around you. 
There's still violence and chaos and starvation and scarcity. It's all happening all around you, but you're now standing in the middle of the circle of light. And then I want you to start to imagine within your circle of light, beautiful things happening. Like hugs and and holding people and like warmth and and gentle caresses and kind words and, and beautiful meals and like sitting down and sharing a meal together and like making love in the most beautiful and, and tender ways and and like supporting someone who needs help and like you're like you imagine yourself lifting people up so they can become their greatest selves right and imagine within your circle of light there are all these beautiful things happening And outside of that circle of light, there's still darkness. There's still chaos, right? But then you imagine that within that darkness and within that chaos, other circles of light start to appear. And in the, in the biggest sense of this, and we're, we're definitely not there yet, but in the biggest sense of this, those circles of light expand and expand and expand to the point where they actually absorb all the darkness, And that's how we transform the world. But my job and your job right now is to create our own circle of light. It's to create our little piece of heaven inside of this hell we live in. And the only real way to do that, as I've been saying, is to open yourself up to all of it. And I want to share one more little example here because this came up, and if, you're, if your eyes are still closed, feel free to open your eyes. Um, and, and if you kept your eyes closed that long, thank you for following me on that, by the way. You, you're, you're amazing. Um, but this came up this morning with one of the ladies in my mastermind group, and, um, and I want to share this because uh, I think it's, it's such a great example of what I'm talking about. And so... This is a beautiful woman um, that you know I've had the pleasure of working with for going on a year now. I think you know she was in she was in the Inspired Love program, and then she um, and then she transitioned into the Mastermind Group, and uh, we've been working together for probably almost a year now. Um, but this came up with her today, and, and I wanted to share the story because I think it's it's so potent and it so perfectly encapsulates what we're talking about here. And so, you know, this, this woman in the course of our work together has completely transformed her relationship with men. Um, she's attracting completely different kinds of men into her life. She's attracting consistency. She's attracting, you know, people who really care and, and genuine, and they have these like deep heartfelt discussions and, you know, she's experiencing things in relationship that she's never experienced before. And to some degree, it's scaring the shit out of her. (laughs) Um, but what, what I want to say about this, and this is what happened with her, she shared with me today, is she shared that she shared that um, you know, she's been dating this guy and he's been showing up very consistent and very committed. And excuse me, he's been like really showing up the way she would want him to show up. And they're having like these really deep discussions and they're like really building the foundations for, you know, what could be a really solid relationship. And so he came to her. And um, he shared with her that like, uh, that, you know, I'm, I'm having fears of commitment. And, you know, in the past, I would normally get to this stage in a relationship and that would make me want to run. 
and and like he's coming to her he's sharing all this stuff with her right and um and it like freaked her out and she's like are you saying you don't want to see me anymore like are are you gonna are are you gonna like you know are you losing interest in this like like she like took it all the way there and she like it like triggered her fears and she and you know she took what happened was she took something that he was vulnerably sharing with her and she made it all about herself and she was no longer a safe space for him to be vulnerable. And I wanted to share this because I think it is, it is a perfect example of what I'm talking about when I talk about closing that heart, right? Where here she is, she's been building this awesome relationship with this guy. They've been communicating like she's never communicated before. They've been um, honest and vulnerable with each other and they've, they've been like sharing and really building something. And this is all very new for her, right? She's never, she's never really experienced this with a man before. And then when he starts being vulnerable with her about his own baggage, about his own trauma, about his wounds, about his fears, right? Like she, she, and she's getting there. So she'll be there. Like I'm very confident she'll be there. She's probably already there. But, um, but in this moment that this happened, she wasn't there yet. And, and so she wasn't able to hold the space for him to be vulnerable. And so in the moment that her fears got activated, she started closing her heart down to this relationship and she actually started pushing him away, right? Where he says, you know, I've, I've had fears of commitment in the past. And often when I would get to this stage of a relationship, I would start questioning it and I would want to run. And, and she goes, are you, are you saying you're losing interest? Like, are we not going to see each other anymore? And, and she was no longer that safe space for his vulnerability. And what I shared with her is that like, what, how you want to show up to a relationship is one, like, it's okay for you to be here and it's okay for you to leave, right? Like, and this is that open heartedness that I'm talking about. Like I am willing to be open to all of it, right? Like I'm not just here. If you're going to be exactly what I want you to be, say exactly what I want you to say, do exactly what I want you to do. No, like I'm here to get to know you. Tell me about your fears. Tell me about your vulnerabilities. Tell me about when you normally run in a relationship. Like, I want to know those things. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to love you through all of that. And I'm going to love you through it, even if I don't get what I want from you. Now, that's radical. Most people won't do that. Most people say, you give me what I want, I love you. You don't give me what I want, I don't love you. I'm talking about completely rewriting the script here. Yes, bring your fears, bring your vulnerabilities, bring your ugly, bring the things you hide from other people. Let me see it. Let me in on it and let me love you for it. You freak out and you don't know if you're, you don't know if you want to stay or you want to go. I get it. I felt that way before too. I still love you. Now, look, if you're, if you're going to withdraw and disconnect and stop being consistent and stop showing up for me, then I'm going to, to some degree, need to do the same, right? Like I'm going to need to withdraw myself. I'm going to need to create some emotional space. I'm going to need to start releasing this relationship, but I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to honor you. I'm still going to be a safe space for your authentic experience and I've probably shared this many times, but I want to share it here because this was literally how my wife and I built our relationship. 
like our whole first year, I'd say even maybe our whole first two years, we sat around and had conversations about if we wanted to stay or not. Like literally, like we would, my wife and I would sit there. This was before she was my wife. She was my girlfriend. And we would sit there and be like, I don't know if I want this. I'm scared. This is hard. This is what's coming up for me, right? Like I'm having these fears come up. I don't know if I can trust this. You did or said this. I don't know if I can live with that for the rest of my life, right? Like, and, and let me be clear. These conversations were not comfortable to have. These were not comfortable conversations to have with each other. Like there were times when I felt like she's going to leave. And that was heartbreaking for me to, to really sit with that, that she might leave. And I'm sure at times she felt the same way about me, right? Like I'm going to lose him or it's not going to work out, right? Like, and, and that was to some degree heartbreaking for her as well. But despite the fact that we were having these conversations and we were feeling how we felt about it, we never, we never pushed that on the other person. Right? We never made the other person feel bad for wanting to leave. We never made the other person feel like there was something wrong with them having these fears or having these feelings or having these concerns or not knowing what they want. Like we never made it wrong for us to be dating each other and getting to know each other and, and being in a discovery or a question of if we wanted to spend the rest of our life with this person. Like it's actually... It's insane to me to think that it could be any other way. Like this is like you're literally trying to figure out if you want to spend every day of the rest of your life with this person and you expect them to have figured that out within a few weeks of knowing you like in what freaking world would that ever happen? And, and this is what I'm going to say. If, if you're with someone and you've got it all figured out within a few weeks and we're going to be together forever and you've made that commitment that quickly... I hate to break it to you, that commitment don't mean shit because it's not real, because you don't even know the other person well enough to make that decision. And so what the two of you are doing right now is you're feeling really good about the relationship in this moment and you're just holding on for dear life, hoping that never changes. And I'm going to give you a reality check. It is going to change. And when it does change, all the things that you're avoiding right now are going to come to the surface and you're going to have to deal with them. And it's going to be harder to deal with them at that point because you've been avoiding it than it would be if you just opened yourself up to it from the beginning and got it all out on the table, right? Because if I, let's say, let's say I'm going on a first date with someone and I love this person from before I've even met them. Now, even that might sound radical because we're like, you know, oh, you don't love someone for months. Like, no, if you're made of love, you love everyone, right? If you're made of love, love is just what comes through you and, and goes out to everyone. So like even this whole thing about, well, I don't know if I love them. I mean, that's just a little misguided. But anyway, I don't want to get off on a tangent about that. But let's say I show up to this first date and I already love this person because I am love. And so I already love this person. And... What I'm trying to figure out on a first date is not if I love them or not. What I'm trying to figure out on a first date is if we're compatible. 
If we have enough in common in terms of our values and our vision and our desire for a relationship and and how we see things progressing and the kind of life we want to build and the dreams we have, right? I'm on this date not to find out if I love the person. I already love them. I'm just here to find out if there's enough compatible between us that a relationship actually makes sense. And then on this date, I'm not trying to get them to like me. No, I'm trying to get them to do what's right for them. I am trying to get them to make the decisions in this moment that are going to lead them to the most amazing life they could possibly have. And maybe that's with me, and maybe it's not. And having an open heart means having enough space inside of you to be able to hold that right? I'm not showing up on this date to try to get this person to like me and to try to get them into a relationship with me. No, I'm showing up on this date to meet another human being. I'm showing up on this date to share some love with another human being. I'm showing up on this date to have a good time, to have some fun, to connect, to share some stories, to get to know a new person. And if in the midst of all of that happening, something sparks my interest that says, wow, I really think there could be something more with this person, then I'm going to tell them that. I'm going to say, hey, like, it was really fun getting to know you tonight. I had a great time. You know, I, I see some potential here. I'd like to see you again. And you can do that if you're a man or a woman. It doesn't matter. That's just being authentic. That's just being honest. And if they say, that sounds great. I'd love to see you again. I had a great time too. Awesome. Then we do it again. And if they say, look, I really appreciate that, but I'm just not really feeling the connection I'm looking for. And I don't want to take this any further. Then that might be disappointing. That might hurt. I might feel that. But the thing is, is my heart is big enough to hold that. And yes, I might feel a little sad or a little disappointed that I was interested in this person and their interest was not reciprocated. But what's even bigger than that is my desire for me to find someone who wants me and for them to find someone that they actually want. And because I desire those two things more than I desire just getting this person to like me, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I might feel something about it, but I'm okay with it. Why am I okay with it? Because I love that person and I love myself and I wouldn't want either of us to end up with something that wasn't right for us. This is what living with an open heart is like. And so I'm going to open up for some questions here. And I just want to end by saying that the, the essence of what I'm speaking about here is there is no avoiding pain in life. There is no avoiding discomfort in life. Like there is no way you can go through this world without getting your heart broken. There is no way you can go through this world without being let down, without being disappointed. Like there is no way you can turn on the news and be a living, breathing human being and not have your soul feel crushed when you, when you hear about what's happening in the world. Like there is just no way to live this life without pain. It's impossible. 
And so the only real choice you have is are you going to open yourself up to all of that pain? Are you going to be willing to allow that pain into your being and to choose to feel it and to hold it? And in that open-heartedness, also be open to all the love and joy that's available in life, right? In being open to the fullness of life, we are open to all of it. We're open to the pain and the loss and the suffering, and we're open to the joy and the love and the gratitude and the euphoria. When we are open-hearted, we get all of it. That's what's behind door number one. What's behind door number two is you close your heart and you close your heart off so much that you're still suffering anyway, right? Like you didn't escape the pain, by the way. You're still suffering anyway. But instead of having the fullness of life be available to you, your attempts to protect yourself have isolated you into a little corner of despair and loneliness and sadness. And even if you're in a relationship, it doesn't matter because you're still alone. And so those are really your only two choices. Either you become courageous and you open yourself up to the fullness of life and you feel all of it or you try to hide and protect yourself from pain and you end up suffering anyway. But suffering is really all you have. And then instead of experiencing joy and love and appreciation and gratitude, you settle for these little hits of dopamine that you get when someone texts you or you settle for the enjoyment you have when you go out partying all night, right? There's like, there's like this, this weak sense of pleasure that you replace joy with. And what happens to your consciousness is you start to think, well, if, if my life is going to be this unhappy, then at least I better get what I can when I can. And so you trade in joy and fulfillment for these little hits of dopamine, these little hits of satisfaction. Because while it's not happy, it's safer than the vulnerability of truly completely opening yourself to life and love and all of its experiences. So I hope I'm, uh, I hope I'm making sense here. And, um, I hope this is landing for everyone. You know, this, this journey in, in life and in love is, is really a, a journey of courage. It's really a, a journey of courage. Uh, someone, someone asked a question here, so I'll start with this one. And um, any other questions, just go ahead and drop them in the chat. But I'll start with this one here. Um, Branding31 says, what do you mean by if you're in a relationship but you're really still alone? Well. Being in a relationship with someone does not equal love. 
And like, I really want everyone to get this. Like being in a relationship with someone does not equal being loved. In fact, the majority of people that are in relationships with each other, those relationships are largely not loving. Like the divorce rate is over 50%. Why is the divorce rate over 50%? Because people are in unloving marriages. And ultimately they get divorced. And there are lots of, like, lots of those people who stay married and don't get divorced, but they're not happily married. Because like, this is, this is the most important thing for you to understand. Love is not something that comes from another person. Love is something that comes alive inside of you. And when you bring love to life inside of you, yes, there is the possibility to find another person that is attuned to you on that level, right? That you're both on that similar vibrational frequency and you join in a partnership and you create a beautiful, loving relationship together. Yes, that is possible, but that's only possible because you're bringing through the love that's inside you. If you have closed down your heart, if you are not open and vulnerable to the fullness of life and all of the experiences in life, then you're going to get into a relationship with someone. And that relationship is going to become a reflection of your closed heart. You will attract someone whose heart is just as closed as yours. And let me say this, because some people, this is a common confusion about this. Some people are like always pouring themselves into a relationship and they're like, I'm loving, I'm open hearted. I do everything for my partner. I give and give and give and give, but no matter what I do, they still don't open their heart. No matter how much I love them, they still don't love me back. And this is what I want to say about that. And like those of you who do that and do that regularly or have done that more than once, you really need to hear this right now. If you're in that kind of situation, you are not loving that person. You have attracted someone whose heart is just as closed as your own heart. You just have different ways of dealing with that. You might have a more anxious way of dealing with your closed heart. They might have a more avoidant way of dealing with their closed heart. But the vibrational frequency there, the, the energetic uh, attunement of the relationship is the same. You have different styles. You have different ways of relating. But the energetic state of the relationship is the same. So if you're giving and giving and giving to someone and they're taking and taking and taking from you and you're trying so hard, but no matter what you do, it doesn't change. Like I would invite you to consider that you're not as much of a giver as you think you are. That you, that you are not full of love, but you are full of fear that you are actually deprived in your own experience of love within yourself. And you're thinking, if I just do enough for this other person, that they will one day love me back. And then I will feel loved. And I hope you can hear the misguided thinking in that. 
because it's not about ever, like I don't care where you are in your life. You might be single right now and you might be dating and you might be saying, I need to go on one date a week and I just need to keep doing that no matter what. And if I just go on one date a week and I'm relentless about it, eventually I'll find the right person and then I will feel loved. Or you might be in a relationship with someone, you might say, if I just give them enough, if I just bend over backwards, if I just try hard enough, then I will be loved. And what I want you to get is that as long as you're operating in any kind of model where you say once X, Y, and Z happens, then I will be loved, you're missing the point. Because the only thing that needs to happen for you to be loved is for you to open your heart is for you to open up to the fullness of who you are and stop trying to protect yourself. Stop trying to control situations to make sure you get the outcome you want. Right? Be vulnerable in life. And that is what will allow the love that's inside of you to come through you, to move through you, to fill you up, to bring you to life. And then from that place, like, I, I want you to understand, and like, and I say this because this is a transformation that I made myself as a single person. Going from desperately trying to find the right person, find the right partner, so I could be loved, to really feeling inside my own heart that I am full of love, and it's, it's no longer about, it's no longer about like, oh, I, I just, I need to find someone to fulfill me so I can feel loved, right? It actually becomes about something different. It becomes about, man, I am freaking amazing. And like, I am awesome. And oh my God, I have so much love to give. I have so many gifts to share with the world. And I just want to find a space where I can share these gifts and have them be received. Right, like I just want to find a partner that is is attuned enough to me that we can create magic together. Right? It's not about like me feeling deprived and lonely and desperate and like I need someone to give me something I don't have. No, it's like I have it all. I have the fullness of who I am and I just want to create with someone. I just want to dream with someone. I just want to build a, a life with someone. I, right? And there might be the desire for a partnership there, but there's not the, there's not like the need for one from like this desperate, empty place. And there's the ability to be patient. There's the ability to let it unfold. There's the ability to like see where it goes, right? There's the ability to like, hey, you're you, I'm me. We're just getting to know each other. You can stay if you want to stay. You can go if you want to go. Like, I'm not trying to pin you down. I'm just being me. You're just being you. And we're just spending some time together. We're just, we're just getting to know each other and seeing what develops naturally between us. And you know, bringing it back, like this all comes from living with an open heart. This all comes from the willingness to feel all of it. You know, I remember, I remember the first time as a, as a single person when I was dating that I, that I decided 
to deal with my internal experience of the situation. And it was a game changer for me, right? Like I, re I remember very clearly, like there was this woman and we were dating and, um, you know, like I wanted to text her and stuff, but she wasn't responding to me. And I was just like, look, I'm not doing this. Like, I'm not going down this road again. Like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna like give her space to do her thing. And I'm gonna deal with my own internal experience right now. And like, it was, it was tough. Like, it was not easy. I remember sitting there and like, in like turmoil, right? And, and it, it was hard, like it was very uncomfortable and it was, and it was scary. And like, I, I wanted to hear from her, but she wasn't responding. And I, and I was like, I'm not just going to keep texting her. And I, I remember the feelings that came with that. And what I was actually doing in that moment was I was healing a lifetime of trauma. I didn't even know it at the time. Like it was, it was even later that I really got into this work and really understood what was happening. I was just doing it intuitively back then. But what I was doing was I was healing a lifetime of trauma. Whereas, whereas before, I had always avoided the experience by reaching out to the person or reaching out to a friend to talk about it or justifying it or ruminating about it or controlling it or trying to present myself in a certain way that was going to get a certain result. And I just dropped all of that. And I just really felt all of it. I opened my heart to the fullness of the experience. And you know what I did shortly after that? I let that relationship go. Actually, the next time, I remember the day I had this experience and the next time I saw her, we ended the relationship. Why? Because I, I got clarity. I got clarity in sitting with my experience that she was not who I wanted. But before I was willing to sit with my experience, I couldn't get that clarity. I just wanted her. I just wanted her to like me. I just wanted her to call me. I just wanted her to pay attention to me. I just wanted her to want to see me. I just wanted to see her again. I just wanted to feel the way I felt when we were together, right? That's all I wanted. But as soon as I was willing to really open myself up to the experience and feel it fully, I realized I really don't want this. Like, this is really not what I want. And so we ended it. This question is from Mariam Zah. Um, been dating for five months, long distance, and it's been great. Um, brought up the commitment talk, and he said he isn't ready, but he wants to see me. I want to break up with him today. Any advice on what to say to him? Um, well, I, I have more questions than I do advice, but I'll, I'll try to I'll try to combine it all in one. And, and if you're here and you can drop in the comments some answers to my questions, that'll help as well. Um, okay, so you've been dating for five months. He isn't ready for commitment, but he wants to see you. Now, my first question is, is this the first time you will have ever seen each other? I mean, like, if you're asking someone for commitment before you've even met them in person, in my opinion, that's way off. Like, I don't know, I don't know who in their right mind would ever commit to someone that they haven't met in person. Right? So, like... That's my first question for you. And, and I would love, um, so you have kids and he doesn't, he says he's not comfortable. Okay. Well, my question is, have you met him in person already? First of all, um, now if you've been seeing each other in person, then it's a little bit of a different conversation. 
Um, but like, I would also ask like, what do you mean when you say commitment? Okay. You have seen each other three times and spent days together. Okay, great, great. I'm glad because I was, I was, uh, that, that puts things in perspective for me. Okay. Now here's my next question. What do you mean when you say commitment? Because commitment can mean a lot of different things to a lot of people. And so five months in, like, let's talk about it like this. There are levels of commitment, right? It's not just like no commitment and commitment, but there are like all these different stages in between. And so when you say he's not ready for commitment, what are you asking him for, right? Are you asking him for exclusivity? Like we've been seeing each other for five months. We've seen each other three times. We've spent days together. Okay. Uh, you're looking for a serious relationship. Okay. Well, I, I got, I get that, but there are stages in a serious relationship, right? So you don't just go from not being in a serious relationship to being in a serious relationship. You build a serious relationship with someone. Okay. Exclusivity. Perfect. Now, if, and, and thank you for following along with me, Miriam. I appreciate you jumping in with, with, with my questions. So if you're looking for exclusivity, the conversation would go something like this. It would be like, hey, you know, we've been seeing each other for a while now. We've seen each other three times. We've spent days in person. Like, I know I'm starting to get attached. I know, like, this relationship is starting to mean a lot to me. And before I continue to invest with you emotionally, before I continue to go deeper and deeper into this relationship, like, I would like to, to have an idea of, like, what potential we have or, you know, where we might see this going. And so, you know, I understand that there's a lot more to discover. There's a lot more to get to know about each other, right? Like, I, I understand that. And I definitely want to give us time to do that. But I think a good place for us to be right now is for us to be exclusive, right? I think a good place for us to be right now is for us to like stop seeing other people, like just be able to focus on this relationship. If we're on the dating apps, like we'll get off the dating apps and like, let's just focus on this relationship, right? Let's, let's just see um, what evolves if we, if we focus on this and, and really work on building something here. Now, of course, as you're building something, at any point in that building phase, either one of you could decide, like, I don't really want this anymore. And, you, you know, I, I think what people try to do is we try to create the illusion that that's not going to happen, right? We try to lock it down in a certain way where we don't have to deal with the reality that this person might decide they don't want this. And I say that's cowardly. Like, like don't try to do that but actually acknowledge that, have it be present in the relationship, like talk about it. Like this is what I was saying earlier, like what myself and my wife did. Like up until, I would say up until I proposed to her, which was about two years into our relationship, we kind of had like this, this policy where it was like, listen, if you want to go, you can go. And us, us making the decision to get married was kind of what changed that right? Like when we made the decision, okay, we're going to get married. That was when we reached the point where we like made a commitment to each other that we're not leaving, right? We're going to stick this out. But prior to that, it was, it was open. It, like the future was unknown. It was uncertain. Like we didn't know where it was going, right? Now, yes, after a couple of months of dating, we became exclusive. 
I called her my girlfriend. She called me her boyfriend, right? Like, yes, we did take those steps. That did happen. We stopped seeing other people. We really gave this relationship an honest chance. And yes, we were being physically intimate with each other. And so there were, there was all this involved, right? But what I want to say is like, going back to the question, if he's not ready for commitment, there are one of two things happening right now. Either one, you're, either one, he's just non-committal and he's never going to commit. Or two, you're preemptively trying to step into something that he's not ready for. Now, this is where you've got to figure out which one it is. If he can agree to be exclusive with you, if he can agree to, okay, yes, let's be exclusive. Let's give this relationship an honest chance. Let's stop seeing other people. Let's get off the dating apps. Let's just start building what we have here. Then in my opinion and in my view and how I coach and how I work with my clients, like I would say that is valid for where the two of you are in this relationship right now. But it should also be included in the conversation that I recognize we are just getting to know each other. I recognize we've only met in person three times, right? I recognize that there is so much about you that I don't know. And there is so much about me that you don't know. And as we start to build a life together, more and more of that is going to become revealed, right? And so, yes, I want to take this relationship to another level of seriousness, I want to really, for us to put our energy and our attention on this relationship and try to build it and see what emerges when we do that. Like, that's where I am. That's where I want to be in this. But I also want to make it clear that I'm not trying to force you into something that's not right for you. I'm not trying to lock you down into something that you don't know if you want right now. And so, like, yes, we're going to be exclusive. We're going to be working on building something But if you're at any point feeling like you don't know if you want this or feeling like you're not sure if this is going in the right direction or whatever, like, let's talk about that. And I am open, right? Like, I remember my wife and I had this conversation and I remember she came to me many times saying very, these very things. Like, I don't know if I want this relationship I don't know if I can do this. Like we were long distance too. I lived in South Florida. She lived in New Jersey, right? So we were long distance. She's like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I want this. You know, we have an age difference. Like there was that. There were like, there were a lot of things that were like concerning and and like a lot of stuff for us to work through and figure out together. And I remember when my wife came to me with these conversations, how I responded to her. I said, look, I get it. You know, I understand. And like, obviously this isn't what I want to hear. Like, I would like to continue exploring this, but thank you for sharing with me. And, you know, I want you to do what's right for you. Like if this relationship is not right for you, then I want you to leave. But I also want you to know that I think this could be great and I'm willing to stick it out and work on it, right? Like literally what I said to her, maybe not in those exact words, but that's what I communicated to her when this would come up. And then what I would do is I would give her space. And I would be like, listen, like, think about it, talk to people about it, you know, talk to your coach or or whoever. And like, you know, like figure out how you feel about it and let me know. Right. And, And I'd check in and we would check in. And ultimately, 
through many iterations of this conversation, through many hours of sitting in this discomfort, not knowing if she was going to stay or she was going to go, right? Like through many days and weeks and months of of being in this together and exploring this together, we got to a place where we said, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And we're going to, and we're going to have a whole ceremony and get up in front of all our friends and family and, and tell the world that we're going to spend the rest of our lives together because that's how serious we are about it. But we only got there by really doing the uncomfortable work every step of the way. And so many people, so many people try to lock a relationship down very quickly. They try to move into the higher phases of commitment very quickly. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I know who get married within like six months of dating. And I'm like, oh my God, like you don't even know each other. Like, how are you going to spend the rest of your lives together when you don't even know each other? And those people usually get divorced about six months later. And not all the time. It, it has worked out sometimes. I'm not saying it never works, but, but I'm saying like, it's not necessary to do it that way. It, it, it makes it harder in the long run because then you have to go back and undo all the mistakes you made by avoiding all the, all the uncomfortable things, right? So what, what I want to say here is yes, I think as exclusivity, five months in, having seen each other three times, I think exclusivity is a good place to be right now. Um, if you and him can agree to that and commit to that together, then I wouldn't break it off with him. I think that's fair. If he can't, like if, if he says, no, I can't, um, I can't be exclusive with you. I want to continue dating other people. I want to continue being on dating apps. Like if he's a no to that, well then that might show some incompatibility, right? So that would be the point where if he's a no to that, where he's not willing to step into that with you, then yes, maybe you say, all right, then look, I, I respect that, but I don't think we're a good fit here. So sending you lots of love. I, I remember what it's like to be in these early stages of building a relationship. And it is confusing and it's conflicting and it's scary and you don't know, am I going to say the right thing? Am I not going to say the right thing, right? So I just, I'm sending you some love. I know it's difficult and, and you know, you, you've got some things to figure out. But, but start there. Like start with that exclusivity conversation and see what emerges in that. And, and I, I just want to be really clear. Let him know when you have this exclusivity conversation that I'm not asking you for a lifetime commitment, right? I'm asking you if we can start here and see what emerges as we build together, right? And yes, uh, thank you, love. There are eight, we are eight years apart, my wife and I, someone was asking. Um, okay, so uh, I want to jump in with this question. This is uh, Solavieva. I think I got your name right. Um, Solavieva. Uh, so what kept you from sitting with the feeling of that disappointment when she wasn't sure about the relationship as opposed to feeling your feelings and deciding that you want someone who wants you? Oh, this is a great question. Um, so I, I, I understand you're, you're like, you're combining a couple of things I've spoken about, right? So here, so the question is what kept me from sitting with the feeling of disappointment when my wife wasn't sure about the relationship as opposed to feeling my feelings and deciding that 
I want someone who wants me, right? Because that was something I spoke about earlier. I said that in a past relationship, I had sat with those feelings and realized that I didn't want. So you're asking what was different about my relationship with my wife? Well, what was different about my relationship with my wife was that my wife actually did want to be with me, right? And so the the other person I was talking about, she was like, I want an open relationship. I don't know what I want. Maybe I want to be with you. Maybe I don't. Let's, let's spend some time together and see where it goes. But then she was like very hot and cold with me. She was like, you know, I, I want to see you. I want to spend time with you. I want to see what happens. And then she would like disappear for a couple of weeks. And then she'd be like, hey, do you want to come watch a movie? And then, and then she would go cold again, right? So it was like very hot and cold. So my wife wasn't like that. My wife was very much like there was consistency in our relationship. We spoke every day. We were actually building something together and she was on board with it. And in the building of it, she was having these fears come up, right? So I, I want to be clear, like nothing changed for me. What, what I was saying to my wife was, yes, I want to be with someone who wants to be with me. And I want you to figure out if that's you, right? So when I would, when I would say to my wife, like, yeah, take your time, think about this, figure out how you feel. Like I, I was saying, like, I want to be with someone who wants to be with me. But I was, but I was also not clear whether or not she wanted to or not. Like my wife wasn't coming to me and, and, and this is an important question because, uh, these are different kinds of conversations you might have with people, right? My wife wasn't coming to me and saying, I don't want to be with you. I want an open relationship or I don't want to be committed or I want to continue to date other people, right? Like that's not what she was saying. What she was saying is like, I want this and I don't know if I can do it, right? Like, like we're building something here and what we're building is really hard for me. What we're building is really scary for me. What we're building is really challenging some of my stuff, right? Like maybe like intimacy issues or fears of abandonment or fears of like, can I do all of this? Can I, can I handle a long distance relationship, right? Like these are all the kinds of things that were coming up for my wife. And so she was on board. She was invested. We were building something together and stuff was coming up in that process. Okay. It was very different, a very different experience from what I talked about earlier with the woman who was like hot, cold, didn't know what she wanted, wanted me one day, didn't want me the next, right? Like, so that's, those are two very different situations. And, and I would say like, for those of you ladies out there, especially when it comes to women who are dating men, because men, especially like, fortunately I was in a little bit of better position because my wife as a woman was kind of prone to talk about what she wants. Women, women are, are tend to talk more about what they want. Men, not so much. Men don't open up so much verbally about what they want. Men show you what they want. Right. And so this is even, this is even more, um, it's more important for women who are dating men because, you know, a man is probably not, they might, some men will. So I don't want to make a generalization for all men, but men largely are not going to come out and be like, I really like you. I really want to be with you. I really want this to work. I want commitment. I want long-term like men generally are not just going to come out and say all of that. And, and why, like, there's a reason for it is because men have been taught that saying things like that make them look weak. This is the cultural um, impression that we've 
raise men with in our culture, right? That for men to want it that much or be that emotionally available makes them weak. And so most men have been conditioned to not speak that openly about those kinds of things. What they will do is they will call you every day. They will text you every day. They will ask you out. They will try to do nice things for you and, and like, you know, listen to things you say like, oh, you said you want to go to that restaurant. I made a reservation at that restaurant, right? Like men are going to show you with the things they do. And it's not just the things they do once. It's the things they do consistently over time, right? It's like, I don't really care. You know, people say to me sometimes, like, he did everything. He, he bought flowers and he opened the door for me and he was such a gentleman and he walked me to my car and he called me and he, you know, and he said, promise me the moon. And like, I don't care about that. I really don't. Like what he did on the first date or on the first three dates, I don't really care about that. I want to know what he did for the first six months. Like after six months, was he still doing the things that he was doing on those first three dates? That's what I want to know, because especially when it comes to men, that's how you know. You know by their action. Again, they're not just going to come out and spill their guts to you. Maybe if, maybe if they've gotten to know you and they feel really safe with you and they, they can tell that you're the kind of woman who's not going to judge them for it or think less of them because of it, because a lot of women do, right? A lot of women, when a man spills his guts, she thinks he's a weak man. So if he gets to know you and he feels really safe with you and he feels like he can be vulnerable with you and he won't be judged for it, that's when he's going to be more inclined to spill his guts. But that's probably not going to come until several months into the relationship. But what he will do is he will show up consistently. He will make that consistent effort. He will try to take you out. He will try to see you again. He will do nice things for you. He will be thoughtful. He will be attentive, right? And that's how he'll let you know. This question is from Bernice L.I.M., she says, my last two relationships ended after three years as both men did not wish to take the next step when I brought up the topic of engagement. Any advice? Yes, I, I, would, I would give advice here. And I want to, and, and I, I thank you for this question because <clears throat> I, I want to clarify something here. And as I'm, kind of, as I'm kind of breaking this down, I don't want it to sound like I'm encouraging you to blindly give someone years of your life um, without, without like checking in, right? And so I'm not saying just hold on and hope for the best and like trust it'll all work out, right? Like, no, if, if you listen to what I've been saying, like when I talk about how I built my relationship with my wife, like we were having conversations about this stuff. You know, yes, we were talking about our fears and insecurities and, you know, do we want to stay? Do we want to go? Is this the right relationship or not? We did talk about that. And we also talked about our dreams, right? If we wanted to have children, the kind of life we wanted to live, the kinds of things we wanted to do, the kinds of work we wanted to do, the kind of home we wanted to have. Like, like we, we talked about all of it. So what I want to say um, in, in terms of your question, Bernice is yes, there were fears and insecurities and uncertainties that came up along the way that we needed to work with, that we needed to give space in the relationship. 
But at the same time, there was never a question that if we stayed together, right? Like when, when it came to myself and my wife, there was never a question that if we did stay together, if it did work out long-term, like we knew we were going the whole way, right? So yes, there was, there was this balance of like, we don't really know where this is going. We don't really know what this is all going to amount to. We don't really know if this is what we want. And at the same time, this is what I teach in the Inspired Love Program. I teach about vision, values, and velocity, right? Vision means do we have the same vision for our life, right? Do we want to build a home and a family? Do we, like, like how do we want our life to look? Do we have a vision? And even if, even if we were to break up, right, like that vision wouldn't change necessarily, right? It's still what I want for myself. Even if we don't stay together, this is still what I want, right? So first, do we have the common vision? Secondly, do we have common values, right? Like, do we share those things? Like, you know, for example, home and family, right? Like those are values. Like uh, monogamy, that's a value, right? Like, do we want to have a monogamous relationship? Um, things like travel and adventure, right? Like that's a value, right? My wife and I, we both love to travel. We travel as much as we can, right? Things like having space, right? Like, you know, I, at the end of the day, uh, we, we might watch our shows together and snuggle on the couch. And then she goes up to bed and she reads her books and I go and I watch my shows and do my thing, right? Like we have space, we have time to do our own things, to work on our own stuff. Like, like those are values. Those are common values, right? So, so yes, on the one hand, you're giving the relationship space to figure out if it's what you really want. And on the other hand, you're also talking about what you want. You're finding the commonalities. You're building the vision. So what I would say, Bernice, and the truth is, is sometimes in life, you end up spending years of your life with someone or in a relationship that amounts to nothing long-term, right? That does happen sometimes. And I've had, um, you know, I've had relationships that um, went on for about 18 months. Those, those were my longest relationships prior to meeting my wife. My wife was with someone for five years, right? And, and married him and then got divorced. So um, sometimes you do spend years of your life with someone and it amounts to nothing. What I would caution here in response to your question, Bernice, is are you, as you're spending three years with someone, and then at the end of three years, they decide they're not ready to get married or get engaged, right? Um, in the course of those three years, right, did you ever talk about if that person wanted to be married or engaged? Not if they wanted to marry you, right? But like, do you want to get married, period, right? Like that was something my wife knew about me from the beginning is like, ultimately I wanted a wife. I wasn't in a hurry. I, you know, I, I didn't need to have it happen right now, but like ultimately I wanted to have a wife. And that was something she knew about me from the beginning. So she knew the whole time in our relationship that if we stayed together, that's where it was going. And so every time she thought about it and, and she was like, I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time here. But when, when she worked through whatever was coming up for her and she came back and she's like, yes, I do want to still work on this. She knew that's what we were working towards, 
right? And I would say the same thing for you here. Like when this guy, so you might be dating someone and and he might be going through something and he's like, I don't really know if this is what I want. I don't really know if, if you know, I, I'm, I'm having feelings come up. I'm having fears come up. I don't really know, right? Like he might be having that come up. But when he comes back around and he says like, yes, I'm ready. Like, I, I do want this. I do want to keep working on this. He knows that he's working towards like marriage and a family and all of that, because that's what you have clearly communicated that you want, right? Like those are my non-negotiables. Like if you're not open to like getting married and having a family, like I'm not saying you need to make that decision right now, but if you're not open to that long-term, I'm not going to be here, right? So if you're getting three years into a relationship and all of a sudden the person's like, I don't want to get married and that's like a surprise. And you go like, what the hell have we been doing here for the last three years if you never wanted to get married? I would say that you haven't been building the relationship consciously, right? You've just been hanging on to the relationship and hoping for the best. And that is something I would never encourage that anyone does, right? So like, please understand here, when I talk about giving it time, when I talk about going through the building phase, when I talk about giving someone space to figure out how they feel, right? When I talk about all of these things, please do not hear me saying, just hang on and hope for the best. No, you're actually challenging the relationship. At times, you're even challenging the relationship to the extent where you might break up, right? Like something I shared about my wife is, is we, in, in building our relationship, we came to what I call these make or break moments. And we came to these several times in the course of our relationship, right? Before we even got engaged, right? Several times we reached these make or break moments where it's like, I don't know if our relationship is going to progress from here. And it was my authenticity and her authenticity being brought to the relationship, challenging the relationship into these uncomfortable places that we didn't necessarily want to go to see if the relationship would get through it. Okay. And it did. But that is very different from, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to do anything that's going to make this person uncomfortable. Let me just hold on and hope for the best, right? So when, when I got to that point, like where I was ready to propose to my wife, there was no question that she was going to say yes. There was no question that she was all in on this, right? Like, like there wasn't any fear in my mind. Like, I don't really know how she feels. Maybe she doesn't want this, right? Like, no, like we had done all that work already. I knew where she stood. I knew where I stood. I knew where our relationship was going. And I knew that because of all the work we had done in that two years. So there was no like getting two years, three years into the relationship and going like, I don't know if this person wants to get married, but I'm hoping for the best, <laughs> right? So that's what I want to express. There is a very big difference between giving time and space to consciously build a relationship and giving time and space just while you're hanging out and hoping for the best, but you're not rocking the boat. And I think our fears of appearing desperate or our fears of 
not wanting people to think a certain thing of us or like it, it prevents us from really showing up to a relationship authentically. And, um, and that's what you got to do, right? You got to show up authentically. You got to talk about what you want. You got to say, Hey, like, look, I, I, it's been a lot of fun. Like, so let's say you're three weeks in, right. And maybe you've been on a few dates and you're, you're getting to know the person and it's going really well. Like three weeks in would be a good time to say, Hey, like it has been wonderful getting to know you and I am just having so much fun and I'm really looking forward to seeing you again. But like, I, I feel like I need to bring this up. Like I am looking for like a long-term partnership. Like I'm looking for marriage, family, the whole thing. And, you know, I, I understand it's way too early to like really talk about that too much right now. But I just want to know, like, as we continue getting to know each other, is that something you can see in your future? Right? If you can, then, then awesome. Like, let's keep exploring. But if you're like an absolute no to that, I need to know now. Right? Like, those are the kinds of conversations you want to have even very early on. So as you build the relationship, you know what you're building, right? Actually, you are building a relationship. You're building, you're actively building a relationship versus just hanging out with someone. All right. So that's a beautiful question. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. And um, there is like, there's, there's so much nuance in all of this, right? There's so much nuance in all these little aspects of these conversations. So I appreciate your questions because they really give me an opportunity to clarify some of these, you know, maybe points that seem conflicting or confusing. Um, you know, in, in summary of, of today's topic, and I'll, I'll end with this, is just that, you know, if, if we want to have a life that is full of love, if we want to feel full of love on the inside, right? And we want to have our external world be full of love on the outside and like, you know, pouring that love back to us, right? If like, if that's the life we want to have, if that's how we want to feel and experience life, we need to have a big, wide, open heart. And unfortunately, or, or maybe fortunately, I guess it depends on how you look at it, but that big, wide, open heart includes all of the uncomfortable experiences of life, right? You cannot hold all the beautiful, loving, amazing experiences of life without also holding the uncomfortable, scary, challenging experiences of life. And this is what, this is what makes, uh, this is what makes you a truly, truly amazing human being, right? Like this is what sets you apart from most of other people in the world is being the kind of person who can hold all of that. And what's gonna happen is there's someone else in the, out in the world who is also learning to be that kind of open-hearted person, right? There's, there's, a, there, there's someone else in the world who is learning how to be that like, deep, vulnerable, authentic, open-hearted human. And it's like, uh, there's that saying that real recognizes real, right? Like when, when you are that and you see that in someone else, you recognize it. And so the way, the way finding authentic love or true love really works is that when you embody that, when you becoming the living, when you become the living embodiment of that, and then you're out in the world living your life, and you meet someone else who is the living embodiment of that, 
the two of you recognize each other. And there's, there's a connection that happens that both of you feel is like not very common, right? There's a connection that happens that both of you feel is like, wow, it's, it's not often that I connect with someone this authentically, with this level of depth, with this level of like authenticity and, and clarity. And so to create that, you've got to be that. And, and that, that's that, right? That's the journey. There's no, there's no shortcut in that. There's no easy way to get there. You get there by opening yourself up to all the experiences of life and being able to hold all of it within your heart. So I hope that inspires you today to go out and be a little more loving than maybe you would have been otherwise. And I hope you can see something within yourself uh, because of this conversation that you couldn't see before. And I'm sending you all so much love as you navigate these challenging and complex situations in your life. Um, know that I'm, I'm rooting for you and I'm sending you love and, and wishing you the very best. So, so much love to all of you. Thank you for being with me, tuning into today's show. Um, this podcast will be live on all major platforms. Uh, you can find it on Google, Spotify, Amazon, etc. And um, I'll, I'll uh, love to have you listen in with me again. I'll be here on Instagram next Tuesday, 12 p.m. Eastern time. And sending lots of love to all of you. Thank you. Have a wonderful rest of your week. I'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. Goodbye. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.